Welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today's poem, as with every poem this week, is going to be by Percy Shelley. He was one of the major English Romantic poets, and he lived from 1792 to 1822. So like John Keats, he died before he was 30. He was just 29 when he died in uh, what is now Italy. Lived a very dramatic very dramatic life. Seemed to be a somewhat dramatic guy, but boy, was, was he quite talented. You probably know him for poems like Ozymandias, To a Skylark, and several others. And the poem that I'm going to be reading today and then this whole week is called Ode to the West Wind. It's a five-part poem, and each of the uh, five parts has four stanzas with the same the same structure in the same form. So I thought this seemed like a good time of year to go ahead and and spend some real time on this poem, um, stretch it out a little bit. So instead of reading the whole thing, all, you know, 45 lines or something and not really getting to comment on it and then moving on, I'm going to read each of those, what is it, uh, 14 lines, and then I'll, I'll read that first section of the poem again and just, could, we'll treat it almost like it's its own poem is what I'm trying to say. So here is part one of Shelley's Ode to the West Wind. O wild west wind, thou breath of autumn's being, thou from whose unseen presence the leaves dead are driven like ghosts from an enchanter fleeing, yellow and black and pale and hectic red, pestilence-stricken multitudes, O thou who charioteth to their dark wintry bed the winged seeds, where they lie cold and low, each like a corpse within its grave, until thine azure sister of the spring shall blow her clarion o'er the dreaming earth, and fill driving sweet buds like flocks to feed in air, with living hues and odors plain and hill. Wild spirit, which art moving everywhere, destroyer and preserver, here, oh, here. So for today's comments um, on the podcast, I want to share a bit of writing with you from a book that I've mentioned several times. It's called The Making of a Poem, a Norton Anthology of Poetic Forms. It's by Mark Strand and Avon Boland. And they divide the book up into various kinds of poetry, various forms. And they have a section on the ode. And for today's um, comments, I wanted to share their comments, kind of defining and explaining what an ode is, because um, Ode to the West Wind is, as its title implies, an ode. Um, and it goes like this. This is what they have to say. From its origins in classical antiquity, the ode was a solemn, heroic, and elevated form. It elevated the person, the object, the occasion. In ancient times, in the Pindaric Ode, athletes were praised. Statesmen were applauded. Therefore, the early examples of the ode are full of flatteries, exaggerations, and claims for the excellence and high standing of the subject. The ode might have remained a static and historic form, but the Romantic movement galvanized it. Suddenly, these poets, struggling with their new and volatile arrangements of the inner and outer world, discovered themselves in this form. In the 19th century, the ode transited from its old heroic mode and became a form that examined and exalted lyric crisis. 
In this form, Keats celebrated the nightingale, the Grecian urn, and the darkening weather of autumn. In this form also, Shelley wrote his powerful Ode to the West Wind. But the ode, like the pastoral form and elegy form, was part convention, part mode, and all opportunity. Modern poets have taken the spirit of the ode, its address, its decorum, and widened it to include a much more panoramic landscape of reference and celebration. In the 19th century, when Shelley wrote Ode to the West Wind or Keats's To Autumn, two things are obvious. The ode is no longer just a ceremonial form, and the writing of the sonnet has influenced the structure of the ode. Shelley's Ode to the West Wind is largely made of sonnets, but Wordsworth's defining ode on the imitations of immortality is irregular, exuberant, shifting from long lines to short, and from epigrammatic to philosophical statements. For poets in this century, the ode was almost a lost form. Its straight-faced and unswerving elevation of objects and persons no longer seemed so possible in an age of lost faith and broken images. But, as in Robert Pinsky's dark and witty meditations on its power, the ode still casts a long shadow over the contemporary poet. I wanted to read that in part because it, it gives a little bit of context for this particular form, but it also shows how forms, or at least references how forms evolve and change and how different poets can have a different take on it. So we've got this very ancient form, the ode, that, that Shelley here is taking and, and making his own. And as um, this book references, each part of Ode to the West Wind is essentially a sonnet, um, or a sonnet-like. So each stanza is, well, each, each part is four three-line stanzas with a couplet at the end. And here we get, you know, the, the, the poet calling out to the, to the West Wind. It's, it's setting up the drama. It's setting up the story that we're about to get. It's placing us in the poem. And the thing that's so interesting about it is, is the West Wind is something we all know. Like there's a universal understanding of the power of the West Wind. We all know what it feels like. We, we've seen it coming, you know, as much as you can see the wind. Um, it, you know, the West Wind has a, has a relationship with people, not just with the poets, but, but with the people who are reading the poet. And so there's this very melancholy, dark, autumnal, you know, good thing to read or memorize in October leading up to Halloween. So that, that's what we're getting here. We're getting the story sort of set up. And the things that we're going to read over the next four days are going to capitalize on that setup, you know, just like any great story does. Um, so one more time, here is part one of Shelley's Ode to the West Wind. O wild west wind, thou breath of autumn's being, thou from whose unseen presence the leaves dead are driven like ghosts from an enchanter fleeing, yellow and black and pale and hectic red, pestilence-stricken multitudes. O thou who charioteth to the dark wintry bed the winged seeds, where they lie cold and low, each like a corpse within its grave, until thine azure sister of the spring shall blow her clarion o'er the dreaming earth and fill, driving sweet buds like flocks to feed an air, with living hues and odors plain and hill. Wild spirit, which art moving everywhere, destroyer and preserver, hear, oh hear. This has been The Daily Poem. We'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.